0: Hi, welcome, I'm Katie Littlejohn, and you're listening to It's Just Government, my podcast which is aimed to teach you all about the US government in a way that's really easy to understand and remember. I personally think that the US government can be really confusing and hard to understand. I know that I don't always understand what goes on in it and that can be really hard for me to understand what goes on in the world around us too which is why I think that everyone should have a basic understanding of how the US government works. And that's why I'm making this podcast in order to teach people in a way that's not so complicated and extreme and big words and all of the stuff that makes it hard to know what goes on in our government and take that and make it into something that's really easy to comprehend. So you might be wondering, What was the motive behind me making this podcast? Why do I have an interest in government? Well, first of all, I think that the government is super interesting. I think that everything that goes on in it is so relevant to everything else that goes on in the U.S. You can pretty much think about what goes on in our government and then connect it to a bunch of other issues and problems, progress even. It's all connected. So understanding the government can really help you to understand the U.S. itself. Additionally, a while back, one of my friends told me that she would vote, if she could, she would vote for a candidate in a presidential election based on his tie rather than his political platform. And though that was kind of a joke, I knew it came from a place of truth and that really worried me because... It's scary to think that someone might vote for a candidate even not knowing who they are and what their platform is and what they're going to accomplish because it's just so complicated. And that's a really dangerous thing for our society because if you think about it, voting for someone, like I said, you don't know anything about what they're going to accomplish, what they want to get done, can mean someone becomes elected into office who is the opposite of what our country wants. Yeah, that's kind of dangerous. But that was the motivation for me to want to start this podcast, to try and educate people on how our government works so we can be educated citizens and so we can make educated decisions whether that be voting, when, if we can, and when we can, or anything else that we would need a solid knowledge of the government to be able to do. And listen, I don't know everything about how the government works. But I'm going to be learning along with you guys in this process of making these podcasts and teaching about how the government works because I want to learn and I really hope you guys want to learn. In addition, this will be my gold award so I really appreciate anyone who can listen to this and just help me out along the way. Let's get into the very first episode. I think the most basic part of the US government is the three branches. Now three branches of government are executive, legislative, and judicial. And according to a website called Annenberg Public Policy Center, 56% of adults cannot name those three branches. That's a little scary. Like, it's just three branches, very simple, three different words, and 56% of adults don't know that. And so, hopefully, through listening to my podcast, you guys will become part of the 44% of adults who do, or we will expand that number to be greater than 44% of adults who know the three branches of government. The topic of this podcast today is going to be just the executive branch, and I know you might be thinking there's three parts of the government you should do, executive, judicial, and legislative all together. But I think in order for this podcast and this episode to be most beneficial to your knowledge and to make it as simple as possible so that it really sticks with you, so that you can go from this episode really, truly understanding a branch of government, I'm going to do one episode for each branch. Which means the podcast for today is going to be the executive branch. Woo! Let's get into it, because there's a ton about the Executive Branch to learn. There's multiple different parts of it, and I want to make sure that we get into it in detail, so that we can totally understand it. Let's start at the top. The person who is in charge of the Executive Branch is the President. Our current President is President Joe Biden, and he was elected in 2020 and inaugurated last January 2021. Some of you might remember that, It was a very big deal in the time, a big, big election. So, what does the president do? What is his role? Well, the president is considered the head of our government, obviously, top of the executive branch, and he is also considered the leader of the armed forces, which is why another title for the president is the commander-in-chief. Basically, the main job of our president is to execute laws made by Congress. It's very interesting that what would be defined as the role of the president is to execute, considering that the president is the person at the top of the executive branch. Get it? Like, execute executive? Yeah, I think that's funny. Um, Also, how the president is elected to their term, which is stated in the Constitution so the founding fathers who created the Constitution actually created the process for how the president becomes elected and takes office, which is still used today. It's called the Electoral College, and I will go into this in a later, you believe, because the Electoral College is also quite a complicated thing, and there are many, many opinions on it current nowadays that I really think it'd be beneficial to get into. So, the president is elected by an Electoral College, which In most basic terms, it's each state gets a number of electors, which is their senators plus their representatives, and then whoever wins the votes in that state in different counties is added up, and then those electoral votes go to the candidate, the people in the state voted for. And typically, the bigger the state, the more they have, because, as we'll get into later, House of Representatives... Um, based on population, so there's more in the bigger states plus the senators, just a bigger number. It's a complicated thing, again, I think I will go into that in a later episode because it is quite interesting. Anyways, President, elected by Electoral College to a four-year term. So presidential elections happen every four years. Funny story, when I was a kid, I thought that presidential elections were every four years for the first term and then two years for the second term. I don't know where I got that from. That's not true. Four-year terms. Elections every four years. Interestingly enough, so nowadays presidents are only allowed to serve maximum of two terms, and that's because of a amendment that was made after Franklin Delano Roosevelt that said that presidents could only serve two terms. But before FDR, every president up to him had only served two terms max, and this was because... George Washington, first president of our country, had set this precedent that after two terms, he stepped down. He, like, stopped running, and someone else went up and ran and got elected. So it wasn't even a law up to that point. It was just something that all the presidents did. Until we get up to FDR, fact-checked it, that's correct. Until we get up to him, and he serves three terms, and then they have to pass the bill to say, yeah, you can only do two. Also, a big job of the president is that he can, if he sees them unfit, veto a bill that's sent to him by the Senate. And so I'll go over the role of the Senate and the House of Representatives and Congress and their jobs. But basically, they will make bills that they want passed into action and it'll go to the president. And the president can either sign the bill and then it'll be into a law and it has to happen or he can veto the bill and say, I don't want this to go into law. I don't want this to happen. And I will again go into this with with the legislative branch, but if he does veto it, it goes back to the Senate, the Senate and the House of Representatives, and they do have a chance to reapprove it, to get it into law without presidential approval. And something like that is called a check and balance. And it's used in order to make sure that our branches of government stay in balance, that not one of them gets ahead of the other in terms of power. Some of the other powers of the president are they can grant pardons with the advice of the Senate, make treaties, appoint federal judges, ambassadors, and other public officers, which is a big role because the people they appoint can still be in their Positions even after the president has left their office, their term has ended, these people they appoint can still be in their offices and have influence. So it's a very big deal for the people who um, presidents appoint, especially because one of the people that presidents are able to appoint are judges to the Supreme Court. And those who they appoint to the Supreme Court will then continue to make decisions. And whether that be in the favor of the president's party or they're appointed by someone else, they will probably continue to make decisions that oppose people's parties. It becomes a very big deal of how you determine the political power and the political opinions of the people on the Supreme Court, which can be very heavily influenced by the appointments and the amount of appointments a president is able to make during their term. The president also prepares the budget, and by that I mean they say, like, we want to allow this many billion dollars this year. They don't do these specific little items like we want to spend this much money on infrastructure they can propose plans like that like Biden has many Joe Biden, President Joe Biden has many like infrastructure plans or like his Build Back Better plan which is using money to better the infrastructure in the United States but that's just a plan. He can propose the actual amount of money that we should be using. He does not get to approve it though That goes up to the Senate because, again, another checks and balance to make sure that the power in our government stays equal. In addition, one of the most important powers of the president, I think, is that they can make an executive order. An executive order is essentially a statement that is put out by the president, which then becomes essentially a law. Not a law. No, I take that back. It becomes like a rule. It's not exactly a law yet. It's not in the law because it didn't go through Congress. Because one of the main things about an executive order is that it doesn't have to go through Congress, it bypasses all of that work to be made into a bill and agreed upon and sent to the president and approved or vetoed and sent back. It bypasses all of that. The president just goes through with it, they bypass all of that work and all of that approval and just say, this is gonna happen. And then everyone has to follow it. It has to be followed. You can't just ignore an executive order. Well, essentially you cannot just ignore an executive order. You can challenge an executive order. The Supreme Court or another court can strike down an executive order, but until that happens, an executive order has to be followed. So it's a major power that the president has and that's developed and become even more powerful in the past years, which is really crazy because executive orders come into, they come into the spotlight in the debate over whether presidential power has expanded past its real limit, where the founding fathers wanted the power of the president to end. Executive orders continue to expand this power and make them pretty much the most powerful people in our government because they can act without the other branches under an executive order. It's a really big deal and a deal that I will go into in a different episode because I really do think we could talk about that for forever. It's it's very, very interesting. So, I think that's it for the basic things of the president, so now we're going to go one step lower, to the vice president. Our current vice president is Kamala Harris, which is very exciting because she is the first African American, the first South Asian, and the first woman to ever be in office of the vice president. A very big win for all of the communities that she represents. The role of the vice president can sometimes be very confusing because while the president is the forefront of our government, the vice president is usually behind them, and it's hard to know what role they play, especially when mostly what we hear is just about the president. In reality, the role of the vice president is that they are the leader of the Senate. So, what does this mean? It means that in the case that there is a tie in the Senate, 50-50, 50-50, the Vice President becomes a tie-breaking vote. And this is currently very, very important because in the Senate, there are 50 Republicans, 48 Democrats, and two Independents. And in the case of a very important vote, they consider the two Independents to be part of the two Democrats, though they are not considered together party-wise because, again, Independents and Democrats, they're not the same party. but In terms of issues, it is generally thought that the Independents and the Democrats would vote the same way, which means that this would cause a tie because there's 100 people in the Senate. And that's a legislative fact. I'll get into that in the legislative branch. I know it's confusing, sorry about that. That's why I wanted to make this podcast, I want to make it simple. But of the 100 people, 50 Republicans, 50 people who are gonna vote the same way, Democrats and Independents, this means that the tie-breaking vote will come down to the Vice President. And because the Vice President is Kamala Harris and she is, in fact, a Democrat, it gives the majority power to the Democrats, which is quite important in terms of power. So yeah, Kamala Harris is a very important role, the role of the Vice President is very important in that sense. It's also very important because the Vice President has to advise the President themselves on a bunch of different issues, what they should be doing, what they think they're doing is right, if they think it's wrong, if they think there's something that they should be hearing that they're not hearing. It's all very important. Basically, the Vice President's role, in addition to leading the Senate, is being an advisor a big major advisor who has experienced themselves and can help lead the president to making the best decision for the country and in terms of that they serve a really important role in making sure that what happens is what should happen for the people that will be beneficial some consider that the vice president does not have a lot of roles in terms of their job you consider it like an insufficient office or something. Like, many vice presidents in the past have said, I don't think I'm doing anything, like this is really boring, I don't even have a job, no one wants to listen to me. But I think in terms of their tie-breaking vote in the Senate, which is really important, and their advisory to the president, I think they have a very important role in our government. So I think that's it for the vice president. And now we're gonna move on to below that where we have the cabinet. And no, I don't mean like a kitchen cabinet. Basically, the cabinet is a group of people appointed by the president themselves at the start of their presidential term who serve as advisors to him, like the vice president, but instead of being an advisor just in a general sense, like the vice president is, each member of the cabinet is the head of a like a different organization, a different department. And they make decisions about that department and advise the president about decisions regarding that department. I know this is going to sound like a lot when I list these off. And they're not super important to know every single one. Obviously, there's a ton of them. But I think it's important that I say them so you have an idea of what they are like. So, whew, here we go. The 15 departments of the Cabinet are the Secretaries of Agriculture, Commerce, Defense, Education, Energy, Health and Human Services, Homeland Security, Housing and Urban Development, the Interior, Labor, State, Transportation, Treasury, and Veteran Affairs. In addition, there is also the Attorney General, the National Intelligence, the U.S. Trade Representative, the heads of the Environmental Protection Agency, Office of Management and Budget, Council of Economic Advisors, Office of Science and Technology Policy, and Small Business Administration. Yeah, I know. That's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of groups. But, they all serve a really important purpose in order to advise the president on his decisions and make sure that he makes informed decisions about what's going on. If he didn't have his cabinet, he'd just be making decisions based on some other information. But the information he gets from these departments helps him to make decisions on what's definitely and really going on. Fun fact, and I learned this while I was learning about the cabinet, because I didn't know too much about the cabinet before starting this project. And I found it personally quite confusing. But what I did learn was that if the president were to unfortunately die or be impeached or have to leave office after him comes the vice president, obviously. And if the vice president cannot, after that comes the speaker of the house, which is a role, again, legislative branch, head of the um. House Representatives, but after that comes the people in his cabinet. Essentially, if those first two people were not able to take the office of the president, then it would go down to his cabinet. So people in his cabinet are actually in line to become president. That's a little crazy, especially because they're not elected to their roles. Like the other people are elected to their roles, the cabinet's just appointed. I think that's very interesting. Something else I find really interesting is that though the cabinet is just made up of the people who represent the departments, the departments under the people in the cabinet actually do a lot of different things. For example, like the Department of Homeland Security runs like TSA, they run things against terrorism, they work on cybersecurity and keeping people safe in that respect. They do a whole ton of stuff and that's all under that person at the top who was appointed by the president into the cabinet and everyone below them in their department. And these departments can be really big and employ a ton of people. It's not just the person in the cabinet. There's a lot of people below them in this whole organization that they're just one person who represents. Also, the president does, when they pick the head of these departments, as they do every like four to eight years, they're generally supposed to try to pick someone who's experienced in the category that they are going to be representing. So like, for instance, in the Department of Labor, the person who is the current secretary of the department of labor has experience in office fighting for labor's rights and stuff like that or someone who could be the head of education would be experienced as, like, a teacher or, like, a member of a board of education or something like that. In general, it is liked that these people have experience and where the president often gets a lot of backlash on their appointments of their cabinet is when they appoint people to different departments that have virtually no experience in those departments. And I know this has happened with many, many presidents. It's just something that... Generally the public has distaste for as they want the people because as they are going to be advising The president on decisions that are made regarding that department. It is like that they have experience in the world of that department There's one final part of the executive branch and this is a smaller part of the executive branch. I would say because doesn't have as big of a role in the way that we think of the executive branch as the president and the vice president and the cabinet. But this part would be independent agencies that fall under the executive branch. So these are considered any group or like organization or agency under the federal government that is not directly under the um, control of any of the 15 departments of the cabinet or the president themselves. Independent agencies include groups like the CIA or the Environmental Protection Agency or even the Postal Service. The Postal Service is considered an independent agency. There are a lot, a lot, a lot of independent agencies. So many of them, they're really hard to list. But if pretty much if you can think of an organization that's considered under the federal government but isn't one of the cabinet departments or under the president, that's going to be one of these independent agencies. And what these independent agencies do, I mean, we know what, like, the CIA does, they investigate people, uh, they investigate things, they work on defending people and stuff like that, CIA stuff. We know what the Postal Service does, they help deliver things, make things get from place to place, shipping and mail. But think about it, what these independent agencies do is they're helping different um, things in our country run. They're helping different aspects of the country go smoothly and just helping them to get moving, to go along, to be efficient, stuff like that. And in that case, they're pretty important things. So that's all for the executive branch. We went through the president and the role of the president. We went through the vice president and the role of the vice president. We went through the cabinet's role and the parts of the cabinet and what the cabinet itself does. And we talked a little bit about independent agencies. I hope that was helpful to you guys getting to know about how the executive branch works. I hope I was able to put it in simple enough terms that it was really easy to understand, that it was easy to remember and maybe have a better realization of what goes on in this one branch of government or you would like anything explained a little more, I'd be happy to go into parts of it. Like I said, I totally plan to have a lot of episodes and a lot of different topics that can be complicated in terms of our government. I want to get into as much as possible in this podcast in order to make it the best it can be and to explain these topics as best as I possibly can so that all of the people who are listening can understand how the government works. I do have a Google form, and I will put that in the description of this podcast episode and in the description of the podcast itself. If you want to suggest anything or give me any feedback, it'd be greatly appreciated. And I really hope this was helpful to you guys. I'm so thankful that you listened to this podcast up to this point, and I'll see you next episode.